Here we go. A new season of Duke basketball. We are back. The five-point play podcast. The diehard Duke basketball band podcast. In fact, to kick off our, our newest season of Duke basketball, I do have the retro number 21 uh, in, in <laughs> jersey on. So the white and blue, just like we're going to rock this year uh, in Cameron. Uh, the number 21 for my favorite player before uh, J.J. Reddick got there, Trajan Landon. I felt that that was appropriate since he kind of orchestrated Duke South uh, in the offseason. But, hey, you know, this is this is, this is is official. We, we've done a couple uh, podcasts through the offseason, and certainly we did a couple podcasts of the emergency variety. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the latest, uh, you know, break up the old coming in, that was huge for us. And, yep. You know, but we're gonna be we're gonna be with you uh, every week from here on out until the season's over, and and hopefully we're handing banners. But uh, AC, uh, welcome back in. Let's kick things right off with we're back, I'm man. Kinda, yeah, we're back, and we're I'm, I'm excited, right man. I, you should be excited. We got a lot. <laughs> we got a lot. We got a lot to cover. Uh, next week we have a countdown to craziness, and mm-hmm. uh, we should be in attendance, so that should be. A we're lot gonna of be fun. there, right? Like we're going, yeah, right? Like that's that's happening yeah, this unless, year. Yeah, unless uh, something unforeseen happens, <laughs> um, we we will be there. So we're looking forward to that. We're gonna be, get you guys a special countdown podcast next week prior to heading down there. So we're gonna have everybody all prepared, and hopefully we have a special guest for you guys next week as well. But let's kick things off with our first topic here, AC. You know, in the off season, you know, we talked about a lot of different things, but specifically for this team, you know, there were there were no real like glaring stories. I know we had the Cassius breaking the vertical record, but there was really nothing um, out there. So there's no news, good news in terms of what we've had coming out of Durham for this particular team. I, I I don't know, man. I think so, man. It was all quiet on the Western Front over here, man. I like really like. This is the first time in probably three years that just you know there was there was no like upheaval or you know crazy stories, no injuries like you know last year we had injuries to Cam and Trey going into to to the Canada trip, and then the Canada trip itself was news enough because that was you know early season getting in the games very early, so really trying to establish almost, you know, almost establishing rotations in a way early, even though you really couldn't with Trey and Cam being out. But, you you know, you had that kind of news. And the year before, it was Bagley coming in. That kind of, that was a little bit of roster upheaval, which, you know, now recently, Wendell coming out and, you know, talking about how at first, and people took this way out of context, but at first how he was very upset about Marvin coming in, but then they became great friends and learned how to play with each, play with each other and everything else. That was great, but you know that that was obviously that was news, and that was something that that created some a little bit of turmoil there for Duke, and and even the year before we were coming off of the heels of some of the Grayson stuff, and then leading into is it going to happen again? You know, and, and it just it was just it was very it was just you know the past few years have been very very tumultuous it seems in the off season for Duke, like it's been Duke news, like Duke has been in the news. And and always not in some of the great greatest ways, but this year it's been, you know, any anything we've heard has been positive. Debbie Jones, you know, got the clean bill of health. That's some great Duke news uh, for this off season. Um, you know, I can't say enough about how how happy I am to hear about that. But 
Yeah, man, just quite honestly, like there this offseason has been very quiet. <laughs> it's been very it's been very quiet. It's been very just relaxed. Nothing but positive vibes coming out of, you know, everything with the guys gelling and getting a chance to see some of the, you know, get a, get in and in, entrenched in the Duke culture. A lot of guys visiting. Ja came back for a visit. Trey Duvall came back for God's sakes. You know, JJ was there on campus. Batty, I heard, was on campus. They didn't make a big deal of that, but I heard he was there. Guys got to talk and meet with him. You know, it's, it's just, it's been good, really good vibes this all season, man. Like, to me, that's a great thing, especially for a young team. A young team that's trying to gel, it's a great thing. And I think having, obviously, we talked about uh, the return of Trey Jones, and, and you already mentioned Debbie Jones. I was going to say that for the end. Uh, that's okay, such okay. great news, and, and you know, we're, we're so happy to hear that, um, you know, Debbie Jones, uh, the, the godmother of this podcast, as we say. But, uh, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. certainly, certainly for the offseason, I think, you know, knowing that Trey is completely healthy and Kay came out recently and, and, you know, knock on wood again, basically saying we have a clean bill of health, like you said, coming into the season. So in terms of offseason news that is notable, there really isn't any. So we're okay. going to create some in, in, in our next topic <laughs> here, which is projected starting lineups. Uh, let's talk about projected starting lineups. Day one on November 5th against Kansas. Mm-hmm. And do you see it changing? Uh, how often do you see it changing? It's going to be one of those years where, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of moving parts within the starting lineup until Kay gets comfortable. Um, and then if it's not too much to ask, try to pro- project what we think our starting line is going to be come tournament time. All right. Well, I, I, I in my opinion, if there's no injuries, all things created equal. This, and for my starting lineup that I'm gonna that I'm gonna put out here, I think that's gonna be the lineup we also see at tournament time. But I think throughout the season, which is typical for K, between discipline things, between fatigue, between you know, possible injuries, things like that, I think we're gonna see a bunch of different starting lineups, especially in the uh, in the backcourt. I think we'll see quite a few different iterations of the uh the duke starting backcourt at times uh throughout the season maybe even the front court we have we do have some depth there and we have some veteran depth there so it's not out of the realm of possibility to see a, a few starters changing places here and there uh to to throughout the season in, in the front court but for to start the season and we can talk about that first and i'll get to to the end of season starters like i said mine are going to be the same I got Vernon starting at the five. I got Matt starting at the four. I got Wendell starting at three. Cashes at the two. Trey at the one. Yeah, uh, I think that that is going to be my lineup at the end of the year. But I do think that mm-hmm. K to start the year, I think he's going to give Alex that first crack at two. Um, okay. So I do think that he'll put in Alex. Um, I, I, I know that we are all enthralled by the highlight reel dunks that the Cashes have been throwing down. Uh, Dave Bradley and the Duke uh, Blue Planet folks have been doing a great job of kind of giving us that little teaser, those little teaser videos mm-hmm. of, of practice and, and highlights. And I think everybody wants to see what Cash is going to do, especially next week down in Countdown. But I do think he's going to give Alex the first crack at it. And I like that space to floor. Alex, mm-hmm. you know, should he should have a big year. Can he handle it defensively? Um, I don't know, but I, I think ultimately throughout the year, like you said, I think he, I think he's going to move things around. I think that right. 
I think at some point you'll have Javin, uh, you know, crack his wing. I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask, do you think K puts Matt as the sixth man to start the season? And, no, and brings see, Javin in at the I, four? Well, I, I don't see him sitting Matt, uh, but I do. If he's going to do that, I think he goes big and plays Matt at, I guess, the three, you would call it. Okay. Uh, and, you know, if he wants to have Matt guard the four on defense and let Javin kind of, you know, be that versatile uh, defender playing three uh, on defense. That's one mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, just to give it a little bit more balance, a little veteran, a little sure. veteran presence, especially as a voice. Uh, so does that on... does that move Wendell to the two? You think? I don't see. I don't it, see a scenario where Wendell I, Moore it, doesn't start. I I agree. So I think initially I, I'm I'm sticking with with okay, Trey, okay. Alex, Wendell. Because I think, you know, Trey and Wendell is just such a sexy defensive pairing. That oh, my God, I yeah. Wouldn't wanna, I wouldn't want to take that out. Now, having said that, I do think, you know, you do want that anchor, that voice on, mm-hmm. on the baseline. Uh, yep. Especially when you have Trey pressuring the ball the way he does. So, Can would, I change my starters? Can would, I do that? Yeah, I might, I might have just talked myself into it as well. Can I, I change I, my I starters? See, I think I can see Tay saying to start the year, I want that veteran uh, voice in, 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 the, in the back um, mm-hmm. defensively. And I think ultimately what happens is you see the jabbing isn't going to give you anything offensively still um, mm-hmm. that you can count on. And we, we actually do need something from the post. And I think it clogs it up a little bit as well with the Vernon. So I think eventually Matt will start. But I do uh, – excuse me, Matt will start at the four. Right. But yeah, maybe maybe we do change it up now. Maybe we do say it's Trey, Wendell, Matt, Javin, and Vernon Carey. You want you want to see a hot take? Let's have it. Vernon Carey is going to be a six man to start the season. <clears throat> All right. Well, you can insert <laughs> you can insert the first hot take button of the year. Um, I think that that's ridiculous. Um, I do too, but that's why it's a hot take. By the take. way, I think I think but... that Vernon Carey, Vernon Carey, I think is somehow. Become one of the more underrated prospects. Isn't that weird? It's, it's insane. Wasn't he the number one he, player for for a while? He was in, the number in, one player in his class for three and a half years, and then all the you know. So it's funny. So there's you know there's 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 a thing that happens where, and it, it happens for most you know big time power five schools: UNC, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky. When somebody commits to those schools, their recruit ranking raises. You know. 10, 15 spots in, on the recruiting list or whatever, because clearly they're obviously that good if that school is bringing them in. But for whatever reason, when Vernon decided to go to Duke, all of a sudden his ranking dropped and it continued to plummet. And then all of a sudden his draft stock started to drop. It was, it's, it's interesting. And I don't, I don't know what these people are seeing because all we've ever been hearing is that he's been losing weight. We've been hearing that he's been honing an already good jump shot that he had and he's made it better. So it's not like, what people had been saying before where he's just, you know, he's a Jaleel Okafor light where all he can do is score on the inside. The dude can go outside, hit jumpers from all over the court and can take it off the dribble as well. So, you know, he, he fits today's mold for what a big, a big guy should be able to do on the floor for, you know, for the purposes of the NBA. But all of his stock has just been dropping ever since he, he committed to Duke. And I'm not sure why that is, man. Well, you know, it could play in Duke's favor, I guess, eventually. But, I hope so. uh, but you know, you've seen draft projections, and CBS just came out with one of them. And mm-hmm. I don't want to go too down 
a rabbit hole here, but you know, he was projected second round, and I've seen that right. in multiple places. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I just, since the beginning of summer, I've seen that. Yeah, there was there was a very early one that came out where Matt and Wendell were, were our top two, and then Vernon was number thirty. Like, it's it's been interesting, man, and I don't I don't know what people are seeing that we don't see or where that we don't hear. I don't know if Duke's doing a very good cover up job on something. I don't know, but I mean, Vernon's a good player. He's a he's a really really incredible scorer. His defense definitely has to improve, but I, I don't I don't think for any you know by any stretch of the imagination he's going to be let's let you know let's say I don't think he's going to be as bad as Jaw was or even as you could say Jabari was at times, but he, you know he's going to be nothing but a great player for Duke, man. He he's he's been blessed with the number one jersey, all the things that lead you to believe that he's the guy that Kay thinks is going to help lead this team. Like you know, I mean, I don't I don't know, man. Yeah, it's it's a little bit uh, surprising, especially for a, a Duke incoming freshman with, you know, all the hype leading into it, uh, mm-hmm. to just kind of tail off. So wrapping this up, uh, to finish the year, I, I do think that you see uh, Cash is somehow find his way mm-hmm. uh, into that starting lineup. I think it'll be Trey, Cash is Wendell, Matt, and, and Vernon. I, I just think that that gives us the most talent uh, on the floor to start the game. We have versatility defensively. Uh, it, you know, it allows us to have multiple scorers, uh, slashers, shooters. Apparently, Wendell has really improved, and you have to imagine that Trey has as well in terms yep. of shooting the ball. We, we know what Matt Hurt supposedly can do from the outside. So, you know, you talk about K wanting to do the five out. Uh, this is that's the lineup, in my opinion, that gives us the best opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm with you. I think by the end of the season, I think Vernon proves what he is and what he can do on the court. I think. By the end of the season, Javin shows us who Javin is, which is a really good role player, but not not somebody that you want to start the game with, especially when you want to try to build a lead, and and definitely not somebody who is going to garner so many minutes over someone like Matt Hurt or Vernon Carey. So I think you see Vernon Matt to start. I think Wendell, Cassius, and Trey is that backcourt that by the end of the season, I think they're going to be ridiculous on the defensive end. With the speed that they offer, with the length that they offer, with the tenacity that they offer on the defensive end. And and Cassius is a really good defender and all signs and all news that we can kind of get, we get, you know, we're not, you know, you know, we're not total insiders, but we definitely have some insight info we get on occasion. And we are hearing for sure that Cassius really is proving himself on the defensive end already, which is not a surprise because that's some, that was a talent that he had before. And he is very much, and not comparison, not comparing, not comparing, not comparing. I'll say it three times. But he is essentially very much like Zion in the fact that he uses playing playing the passing lanes and getting steals to get those highlight dunks and things. We mentioned it last year in one of our podcasts. That's something that Zion did to, to jack the team up, not for his own stats, not for his own highlight reel, but to jack his team up and jack the crowd up, getting those steals off ball to get those huge dunks and big plays like that. Cassius is the same way, man, and and I think we're going to see that. I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if Cassius is the number one or two guy in steals next season for our team. Certainly possible. Um, yeah. And I just can't believe that you compared him to Zion. Okay, I, compa- so, I said it, not comparing. I said it three we, times. We can't, I can't I said believe it you did that. Three All right. Can't believe we did that. All right, so let's talk about <laughs> – let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, we kind of foreshadowed a, a few of these, but let's talk what – are, what are your biggest concerns, uh, albeit – you know, for the team or mm-hmm. for individuals. That for me, 
I kind of talked about it a little bit. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned, uh, and I have been since you know we got the commitment of Matt Hurt. I'm concerned about what he's going to be defensively. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that Kay, in his opening press conference to start the year, actually talked about how Matt is pretty far along defensively. Now, granted, far what along that from, mean, though, what, right? from what, though? Exactly. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he was some um, known commodity on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. So while it's great to hear that, he's still going to be a, a huge uh, concern of mine defensively. And can he make up for it enough on the offensive end to negate what he may be uh, giving up defensively? And, and I'm just not sure. So that, to me, is a concern. And then the second one uh, is just Trey's shooting. If, mm-hmm. Is Trey going to make that leap that we all hope that he can? And if he does, then he's going to be the one of the best players in the country, uh, even mm-hmm. more so than we already believe he's, he's going to be. So those, to me, are, are my two concerns heading into the year. What are a couple of yours? So I'll just I'll run down a couple of things just 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 for for reference for what we're really looking at. We bring back twenty seven percent of our scoring. We bring back forty six percent of our assists. Trey was he was first in assists for us last year. He was fourth in scoring for us last year. That's the highest we have returning. Thirty eight percent of our defensive rebounds. That's Jack at third. Thirty five percent of our offensive rebounds. That's Jav actually. Forty eight percent of our steals. That's Trey. Thirty eight percent of our blocks. That's Jav. So really what that spells out to me and how it makes me feel defensively, I feel like we're going to be okay, at least on the perimeter, the interior, we do have Jav there to, and even Jack to a degree to really, to help clean some things up and help bring some leadership to that end of the floor, even though they're not going to be on the game for huge stretches. They, I, I assume that they're going to be on the game for in the game for important stretches, especially defensively, but the scoring, like what, what, who is going to score? Where's the scoring going to come from? Does the five out really fit this team? I can't see us being a worse shooting team than we were last year. But who knows? You know what I mean? Like, it's a lot of young guys. It's a lot of young guys going through strength and conditioning for the first time. All those things that affect your jump shot, the speed of the game, everything else. So, you know, really, like, really, what are we looking at in, in, in shooting? Like you mentioned, Trey has to be better at shooting. He has to. Only three games last year where he hit more than one three. He has to be better than that. Alex has to be on the floor to give us the shooting that he offers because the guy is a 45% three-point shooter in his first two seasons at Duke. You know, Jack has to be better at shooting. And and then really, as I mentioned before, what what does this five out look like with this group of guys? And it's it's really going to be, do we have the ball handlers outside of Trey to make it work? And then do we have the shooters off ball to make it work? So I, I want to see that. And then the, the rebounding, that's my other, the other big concern is rebounding. Matt and, and Vernon, what are they going to bring to the table in terms of rebounding? Because RJ and Zion were animals on the boards yes. and they were constantly on the boards. Are we going to get that kind of effort from these guys on, on, the, on the, the offensive and defensive side of the, the rebounding equation? If we can get, if we can get eighty percent of that effort, we're going to be pretty good. But you know, how, how much can they give us? How much really are they going to give us? And that that's going to be huge for us, especially in, in tournament time. That's always always a deciding factor in a tournament is who can create extra possessions. So I, I want to see that out of this team. I, I think this team is going to create some turnovers, and those give you those extra possessions. But you need the rebounds, man. You got to have them. And you got to have the rebounds and you got to convert, convert on free throws. Those are all essentially extra possessions. So I, I want to see that out of this group. And quickly, 
over the last few years, we've always had a guy that we can go to when we need a bucket. Do we mm-hmm. have that player, in your opinion, on this team currently? Off the bat, let's so let's say in the Kansas game, if if we're down and we need a shot, I think the ball is going to go to Trey. Quite honestly, just because to, of some of create, the unproven though, guys. Create, right. Okay. But I, th- I just, think he, you just trust him to find the open guy. Either him finding, I think either him creating or him taking a shot. Quite honestly. Okay. I, I I can I can see both scenarios. It, that's kind of that's kind of apropos for K throughout the years, especially when he has young teams. The first couple games, if we have a close game, he funnels the ball to one of the veterans. Duhan had the ball, and in that season, his final season, he had the ball at the end of games uh, quite a bit early on, and then famously in that UNC game towards the end of the season. But you know, he he had the ball kind of at the end of games until JJ and Lou Wall really showed that they could handle it. I think the same thing happens with Trey this year until those young guys, and you don't want to ruin a kid's confidence in the first game of the season. Sure. And I think Trey is somebody who can handle it. So I think, I, I think if Trey, I think if we need a last shot in that game, I, I think it, it, at least at the very least, it starts with Trey. It gets drawn up from Trey. And if he sees something on the floor that says otherwise, then he'll make a decision on the court. But I think it's going to be for him. But by the end of the year, I think Matt Hurt's going to prove that he can take those shots. And I think Vernon can prove that he at least can get some big buckets on the inside to kind of create and one situations and things on the interior and maybe even with his jump shot. So when you talk about a team that has so many scores on a team, like uh, this team has nine guys who average double digits, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, that's great. But when you're like you said, when you really need a bucket, who do you go to? Cause I've seen that plenty of times in college where you have such spread out scoring that no one in crunch time, no one knows who's going to take the shot quite honestly. So I, I I hope we don't run into that situation where we don't know who's going to get our big shots down the stretch. Well, hopefully it's a similar game that it was last year against Kentucky in the Champions Classic. But let's move, <laughs> let, let's move nationally now. Uh, you know, we'll do a, a few previews uh, again for Duke, especially before CTC next week. And then afterwards, kind of give some some feedback on what we saw. Um, mm-hmm. So there'll be plenty of that and some for the ACC. But a little bit nationally, uh, it's pretty much a consensus number one coming into the year. Michigan State, obviously, they mm-hmm. got um, uh, Winston back. And you, after that, you have uh, kind of a, a smorgasbord of, of known teams. You got Kansas, you have Kentucky. Uh, yep. Florida is actually up there. But then you also Dude. have Louisville yeah. and, and Duke. So let's, let's focus, first of all, on the Champions Classic going to have probably the top three teams in the country, and then Duke will be somewhere between four and seven, I'm assuming, when the first mm-hmm. polls come out. And then let's talk about Louisville a little bit there. Uh, it's been kind of widely reported now in, in terms of projections for ACC that right. Louisville, if they're not the favorite, there's something right there with Duke, uh, Virginia, and UNC. So a little bit of uh, of, of an overview of the national landscape. Yeah, so I agree. I agree with the sentiment that Louisville Louisville is going to be really good, and they're going to be really good throughout the regular season. The one thing that Louisville has that I think holds them back a little bit is Chris Mack. Man, he is he's famous for getting in his own way, and we saw it last year. We saw it in the Duke game last year. We saw it throughout the season for them last year after their really hot start. He he can get in his own way really easily. So 
he's he's kind of the X factor for them. He's you know a lot of times these coaches can't really change their stripes. So what we get out of them in terms of consistency, I don't know. But talent wise, that is a very talented team. In my opinion, the 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 second most talented team behind what Florida is going to bring. Florida, watch out, watch out for Florida. I have a lot of faith in in Mike White. I have a lot of faith in what he's doing with that crew, and the guys that he's bringing back are insane. And then he and then to add, they were already good, and then he adds Kerry Blackshear, which is, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what people's temperature on on that move was for Blackshear to leave Tech to go to Florida, but. That was that's that was easily the most important recruiting thing that happened last year for anyone uh, in the sure. nation. Um, he he is he's an incredible player. He gives them something that they need, which is interior scoring. He's a he's a damn good rebounder. The the guy is just all around. He's he is a great college player, great college player. And to add him to the returning roster that they have, and to add him to the the style of play that they're going to play. They're going to play up and down. Mike White's team is going to get up and down the floor. They're going to get after you on defense, and they're going to continue to push the ball on transition, off of defensive rebounds, off of turnovers. They're going to score a lot of points this year, and they're going to be a very dangerous team this year. I kind of have them penciled in as a Final Four team this year. Um, wow. Yeah. Call. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I, I really, I really do see them – them and Michigan State right now, the two teams that I think you can just say right now belong in that conversation for Final Four. The other one is Oregon. You saw Oregon really pull together minus Bowl Bowl last season and really showed showed some talent. And now all they do is just bring in more guys, um, C.J. Walker and Isaac Johnson, and and they bring them into a group of already established established players in a, in a Pac-12 that's very weak. So they're going to they're at least at the very least they're going to be able to work on some things and probably stay pretty healthy throughout the season, putting them in a good position in the tournament. So, but you know, there's, there's some good competition in the NCAA this year, but I think it's pretty open. I really do. I think, I I don't think there's any last year you had a lot of standout teams like that, that elite eight last year was incredible. I think any other season, if you put one of those teams in any other season, you see them in the final four. It it was amazing the talent that was in the Elite Eight last season, but this this year I don't think we have any teams that are that have that many talented seniors, that have that many talented freshmen, and or that have you know the the style of play or whatever that just matches what we saw last year for that that crazy Elite Eight we had. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lightning in the model type of season where mm-hmm. you know somebody's going to get hot and, and and ride the wave. It you know of course. Many different things can happen throughout the season, obviously, injuries-wise. I don't want to focus on uh, anybody from the ACC, so I'm just going to pick a random team uh, mm-hmm. that actually did get a lot of press. Memphis, uh, what mm-hmm. Kenny Hardaway's done there, obviously had a phenomenal uh, recruiting class coming in. Uh, what do you see Memphis doing? Do you think that he has the talent now? Uh, obviously, right. they're very young, but do you see Memphis making some noise? This is definitely the biggest X factor because – Number one, they don't play. It's not like they play in a major conference where they're right. where you get to see them tested night in and night out against some of these teams that they're going to see in the tournament. So you have no idea what they really look like against you know top notch competition. But the talent, the, you know, the talent profile is there. They have some talented guys. They they had they brought in a bunch of high profile recruits. Now, this class in general was not a great class overall. So right. while they did bring in a lot of 
big names for this class, that doesn't mean they brought in, you know, a bunch of amazing players like like it would have been last year. Like last year's recruiting class was incredible. So they have a lot of guards. They're going to have, I, I, in my opinion, I think they're going to have some turmoil there in terms of guys wanting to play who aren't getting a chance to play. I really hope that Penny doesn't go with the John Calipari platoon sub with with the guys he has because I think that's just going to mess up their flow because I think they could create a pretty good flow with who they have. But they're a total X factor, man. They could be very dangerous or they could just be flashing the pan, a bunch of guys that just kind of run together and just end up not looking great. I don't know. Last year, his team never looked disciplined on the floor, but they would win some games really based on talent. So it could be the same thing this year. Yeah, and they uh, they do have a big game on November 12th against Oregon. So mm-hmm. I, I guess, you know, to your point earlier, you will get to see him a little bit against a, a premier uh, lineup and see what those young kids, James Weissman being the, the front uh, or the face of Memphis right now, see what, see what mm-hmm. they kind of look like. But speaking of paying players, uh, <laughs> we want to shift to our last, uh, and this is, this is so hot right now, and actually uh, the day that we're recording this, uh, is Tuesday, uh, October eighth. Uh, yep. Coach K right uh, at the yeah, uh, Coach K, you know, had a prepared statement, uh, basically supporting the uh, name, image, and likeness bill that was passed in California. Now, granted, it would right. be enacted until twenty twenty three in that state, but now you have fourteen, fifteen other states and, and probably more behind them that want to introduce bills that allow college athletes to. Uh, make money off of of their uh, NIL uh, name mm-hmm. uh, name image likeness. So uh, I think we, we've definitely talked about this on past podcasts, uh, mm-hmm. especially with all the Zion mania that we had last year. Right. I think we're we're, we're certainly on the same page. So we're not going to go through the back and forth of should they pay, should they not. For us, it's more how do you do it, and I I think. You know, for me personally, and I know that a lot of these bills, it wouldn't be the school paying the players. It would be probably sponsorships. Um, right. You know, companies can come in and do it. And uh, just my personal take before I give you the, the mic here, I think this is great for college sports because just using Zion as, as, Zion as an example, which you kind of never really want to do because <laughs> he's like the, the lightning rod of this. But right. he's the exception, not the rule. Uh, but just using him, he wanted to come back to Duke. And even if he was only being 50% genuine in that statement, he has no choice but to go to the NBA. Right. So if he's able to make money off of his uh, NIL, then why not, why not do that? And he might say, hey, you know what? I love being at Duke. I still think I can grow as a person. Uh, you know, as well as a player, uh, I want to contribute to this, this, and this, uh, whether it's his degree, uh, the community, um, you know, his legacy as a college player, whatever it might be. Uh, maybe his goal was to, to get his jersey retired. So there's th- definitely things there that, um, you know, guys like him, while they're probably the exception, um, maybe he did want to come back for sure. And if you can make money while doing it, then absolutely. It's going to make the college game better because it does give some incentive, uh, incentivized uh, principles to, hey, there, there is a reason to come back. Right. You know, so I, I think that that would be one reason that I would 
strongly advocate for for finding a creative way, a legal way that doesn't have the school paying the players, but has, uh, you know, whatever company that wants to, it's capitalism. Whatever company wants to go out and, and spend their money on a college athlete, they should have the right to do it, and the college athlete should have the right to accept it. I do think that they should be assigned agents. Um, I think that that should be the first thing I that would be the first thing I do. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I don't see why. You know, let, let's talk about Luke May. You know, he wouldn't get like the big money national brands coming after him like Zion would, of course. Now, having said that, Luke May's not a guy that is going to go to the NBA and make seven to nine figures in the NBA like Zion. But there might be local Chapel Hill or Triangle uh, car companies or uh, restaurants and local companies there that would love to use Luke May as a face of, of, of their uh, brand for a couple of years. And why wouldn't Luke May be able to do that? You know, right. it's, 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 everybody's so fixated on like this big, huge, multi-million dollar thing that only Zion would get. You know, we're talking about a handful of people that would do that. But locally, if, you know, a, a car dealership wants to throw $15,000 at a, a, a kid for a couple of years, you know, who am I to tell them that they can't do that? Right. And I, I think the keys the keys to this are, you mentioned it. Number one, it's not the school's paying, which I think that's kind of everyone. Personally, I think that's been everyone's biggest hang up. And, and whether it's this, whether it's the school who pays or not, so be it. But it's not the school paying, so there's no favoritism there. It's guys getting opportunities from other places, and it's the fairness of the fact that college athletes, especially in football and basketball, who generate so much revenue for these universities, are not allowed to make money not 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 only from make money from their what they do on the court, which essentially is their job at, at the school, but they're not allowed, not allowed to make money, period, if they're on scholarship. They can't get a job at 7-Eleven. Every other student, everybody says, oh, well, they should just be happy that they get a scholarship. Suck it. Every other student on the campus has the opportunity to make money and, and produce some kind of income for themselves, except for people actually bringing money into the university. Like, that's it. So, I mean, really, it comes down to if if someone wants to pay, come pay these guys for you know, a spot in a TV commercial, like you mentioned, or even, even back to the old, you know, the video game stuff that, that the O'Bannon brothers, Ed O'Bannon really tried to, you know, tried to collect money off of just all of those little things, man. Why not? Like, why not? Why not allow these guys to do that? So to me, it's a no brainer. I don't think it's going to kill college basketball. Like people say, like you say, I think it's only going to enhance the brand. It so just so happens to coincide with the NBA rule change, and I I can't see it being I can't see it being a bad thing in any way, shape, or form. No, and I think that the NCAA needs to get their head out of the sand and come out and, and embrace this and figure out a way because they have an opportunity here to make college sports even bigger than it is, um, and I think that. A lot of college sports, especially college football, is so regionalized mm-hmm. that uh, if, if you can have national brands going out to the biggest stars um, in college football and, of course, college basketball, then you open up new eyes that wouldn't otherwise be watching. And that's at the end of the, It's a business. 
Stop. Dude, college sports was never as hot as it was in the 2000s when you had like NCAA football 2000 yeah. whatever for EA Sports and the 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 NCAA college basketball games. Man, they were they were not as hot as they've ever been when you had those things. Absolutely. And so let them do that. Let them come in. And 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 one last point on the schools. Uh, you know, I know we have a lot of get off my lawn guys that <laughs> ruin uh, the, the amateur look. Olympic players can do the same thing, right? So Olympic players are mm-hmm. still quote unquote amateurs, right? Somehow, um, <laughs> but they, they don't get endorsements as long as they're not doing it during. It's it's so stupid, you know. Right. Look, all sports everywhere at every level is a business. Right. So stop acting like these kids are, you know, just playing for the name on. You know, you play for the name on the front. You can do both. Look, people play sports because they love them. People compete because you love them. There is an amount of money that is going to make me want to be better than someone else if I have that competitive desire. Right. So, you know, they're they're always going to play for that that love. Zion wanted to come back for no money, for Christ's sake. Right. So, you know, just think about that when you're doing it. And and the schools, the NCAA has done a good job. I haven't heard anybody talk about this over the last few years, ten years. They have done a good job on allowing them to, to feed them every meal, uh, allowing them to get stipends to, right. you know, all, to all the facilities. You mean, you mean basic but, human principles? Correct. <laughs> you know, you know because, because you were mentioned earlier, they, they, can't, uh, they can't get a job elsewhere. So, you know, they, they're, only, they're the only student on campus that is bringing in money, but they can't actually go get a job elsewhere if they wanted mm-hmm. to. Um, not saying that they would have time to, but but that's not even the point. They they should at least have the opportunity. Uh, but either right. way, wrap this thing up. Every coach at this point is going to say that they're for this. They have to. Uh, they'd be right. hypocritical if they didn't. And certainly, you're not going to exactly. do what you do a 17, 18-year-old's house and tell them to come play for you for free after you just basically told the nation that you don't want them to get paid. So expect exactly. that to happen. But let's also find out if the, uh, if the, the commissioners of each Power 5 conference get on board with this and if the NCAA gets their head out of their ass. Uh, but hey, you know what? I'm pumped. College basketball is back. Uh, we are less it's than a packed, month away. What, less than a month away from our kickoff Champions Classic against Kansas. We got CTC next week. Probably one week since we dropped this podcast. I'm pumped. Let's go Duke. Let's get this thing rolling. One more time, shout out to Debbie Jones. Let's go Duke. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Five Point Play Podcast.